0: I'm Kim.
1: Welcome back for the third episode of AkaFast in July on the Massive Fans Book Club Podcast.
0: This episode, we are covering chapters 11 to 13 of A Court of Frost and Starlight by Sarah J. Mass. Diving right in. (laughs) This podcast is not for little ears. I repeat, this podcast is not for little ears.
1: we will be announcing our winter solstice giveaway winner during our first august episode so keep your ears open for that right now we are just pushing through dropping little chunks of aquafax all over the place until the end of july (laughs)
0: that's right we just want to thank you all for entering and you know hanging out with us and spending time with us so thank you thank you thank you
1: yeah and kim i've got the favorite chapters so you're covering all those other peaks (laughs) And this one starts with Reese's
0: Pieces. So, you up! Okay! Oh, boy. So, Rousand is... Rousand is at the Spring Court, and he is um, there to see Tamlin. Mm-hmm. And um, I like how he says... it's The way it starts off is actually so descriptive, and it, it really... It reminds us why this is the Beauty and the Beast retelling, right. at least where Tamlin is concerned. Because... Yeah. Here we are in the way we traditionally think of the beast's lair. As Rhysand says, it was spring and yet it wasn't. It was not the land I had once roamed in centuries past or even visited almost a year ago. The sun was mild, the day was clear, and distant dogwoods and lilacs still in eternal bloom. Distant because on the estate, nothing bloomed at all. The pink roses that had once climbed the pale stone walls of the sweeping manor house were nothing but tangled webs of thorns. The fountains had gone dry, the hedges untrimmed and shapeless. The house itself had looked better the day after Amaranthus' cromies had trashed it. So I think we can honestly say that Tamlin's not keeping up with this housekeeping.
1: Yeah. And it's really interesting to read that description Because, I okay, so I I also highlighted it, and then, like, listening to you read it, it really occurred to me, like, this is definitely where, like, you get some reasoning behind why some people say that, like, we haven't even really gotten the Beauty and the Beast story yet, that, like, this is really kind of where that starts, and some people have argued that that's where the twist of, like, that's why some people are always like, oh, no, Elaine's gonna come in and, like, be Tamlin's mate. I don't know about all that, but I can see why people are like, no, there's something about this redemption arc. Like, this is actually the moment when you see it because of what you just said, where it's like, this is the story we really know. Before, it's like, I can see the parallels, but this is like (laughs) ripped straight from the pages of the Disney version.
0: (laughs) Right. I mean, honestly, I, I agree. I really do think this is where we see the setup for, you know, the redemption arc, for the real Beauty and the Beast story. And I mean, it was there but it wasn't, it was kind of alluded to.
1: Right, it was alluded to. And then also, in complete fairness, of course, she had to market it as a Beauty and the Beast retelling because if she had said, please come read my Tamlin retell, like, why? You know what I mean? Like, nobody knows who the hell that is. Like,
0: (laughs) unless you're a nerd like me.
1: Right. So, like, of course, she had to be, when people were like, so, well, what's the deal? She had to be like, uh, mm, uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Exactly. Like, like it's like we even said there's a ton of like uh, obviously there's a ton of other things alluded to, and you and I even have argued that most of the end, like any time that Reese got introduced at the end of Acatar through Akamath, that's way closer to like you could you would be better off selling that as a Hades Persephone story.
0: Absolutely, and she already so, right? in the in the description for Akamath that it is it definitely has strong leanings yeah. for Hades and Persephone exactly
1: guys. so like of course to like draw you in and not give you any, any details like you know give anything away she had to be like uh, uh yep it's Beauty and the Beast <laughs> like, that's my safest bet
0: <laughs> absolutely absolutely so it continues there's more description of different things and apparently when Reese knocks on the door it takes a while there are no servants there to answer it, so Tamlin answers the door himself. That tells us a whole lot about the state yeah. of affairs in Court. Yeah. The and then I love the description that's about it that Reese has for Tamlin. I wasn't sure what to remark on. The haggard male before me or the dark house behind him. An easy mark, too easy of a mark to mock the once fine clothes, desperate for a wash. The shaggy hair that needed a trim. The empty manor, not a servant in sight. No solstice decorations to be found. The green eyes that met mine weren't the ones I was accustomed to either. Hunted and bleak, not a spark. I, wow. Like, it's like we all knew Tamlin had fallen into a, a funk. But, you know, because of everything going on with Highburn at the end of Akawar, I don't think we realized how severe things had gotten for him. Well,
1: and it's interesting, too. So, okay. So then, like, the next paragraph, I don't know if you highlighted it, but when he's talking about, like in his mind he's thinking about like how easy it would be to just like mm-hmm. off this guy right he's mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. like you know <laughs> he wouldn't even fight back you know what I mean right. and and he's just like and he says like to finish what had undoubtedly started the day Feyre had called out silently at their wedding and I had come
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: a weird thing like it's a weird <laughs> thing because here okay hear me out mm-hmm. <laughs> this is me like real time spitball. okay so. I feel like up until this point, like this reread, right? The first time you read the books, you're like, Tamlin, good. Then you're like, Akamath, Tamlin, bad. End of Akamath. Tamlin, really bad. And then Akawar, you're like, Tamlin, bad with some redeeming qualities at the end. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? You're like, I'm not sure how we got here. Like, And you just kind of decide that Tamlin was bad the whole time. You know what I mean? So basically, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I feel like we see this all the time in the Facebook groups because, well, we're in a lot of them. <laughs>
0: and yeah. I feel,
1: I just feel like we all do this thing where because we're so sick of Tamlin and like over his bullshit by the time you get to Aquawar and like most people who read these books like binge them. So by the end, you're just like, I hate this tampon guy. Like he is the worst. Like, I think we just like all latch onto this idea that he's like, I mean, yeah, he, like, made a bunch of shitty decisions, and he's, like, not a good guy, per se, but, like, he's not, I don't know, he's not, like, evil.
0: (laughs) I find him, I think he's morally gray. He's not, he's not good, he's not bad, but he's misguided, and it's, when you hear about them, when you hear him and Reese both talk about his parents and his family and how he was raised, how is that different? than how a lot of them are raised. I mean right. Good God. Right. I'm not saying that he that he's innocent. I'm not saying that he's in the wrong, but at the same time, is he he's not the huge big bad guy everyone thinks he is. Because the real bad guy in Akatar is Amarantha and then right. in Akamath and Akamar, the bad guy is Hyburn not Tamlin, yes, Tamlin is manipulated by them. He's manipulated by Ianthi, but he's not... (sighs) He makes lots of poor decisions, but that doesn't make him... Right. And there's no reason. Yeah,
1: he gets that. lumped in with the big bad. And I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like one of the other things we see all the time in the fandom is like some people saying like they want the Tamlin Redemption arc. And I guess mm-hmm. I feel like when I first read the books, I mean, you know, I did not like Tamlin even the first time I read the books. <laughs> but like I think. I think when you read the books the first time you're just so irritated with him and it's so done with mm-hmm. him it's really easy to be like oh yeah there's like nothing else to do with this character but like i think like this kind of moment where we're seeing like how broken he really is and we have to remember that like he like this is a man who's been like broken by his fiance too like we don't give him any credit mm-hmm. for that we just are like oh like you know it sucks to suck <laughs> but like in fairness like he got left at the altar okay
0: (laughs) he did i mean and so because i don't think in this case fair is totally innocent though it's a little different right um i don't know it's so complicated i mean yes i jokingly refer to tamlin as a douche canoe or even tampon i do it more to be funny you know he's flawed he's not perfect and i think people forget that and honestly i think what people also forget is, is that Reese is flawed and they don't remember it until they read Silver Flames and then they all get pissed off.
1: Well, right. And I think, I think that's, what's interesting about like what we're dealing with here is just the fact that uh, I think it's, like I said, it's just really easy to like write Tam, like write Tamlin off, whatever. But like in fairness, like on this reread and like really looking at like, what is like, what the words on the page are where like, Mm -hmm. this is from Reese's perspective. And he's like, I would be, like it would be a matter of minutes to fillet him body and soul to finish what had undoubtedly started that day. Favor had called out silently at their wedding and I had come, but peace, we had peace within our sights. It's interesting because I feel like for me, like I, the first reread, I was just like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Like this is like, yeah, yeah, he's right. And then all of a sudden on this reread, I was like, wait a minute though. Like Reese, you think that because, that's the side you heard. You heard Feyre calling out that she wanted to leave, but like Tamlin had no idea.
0: I know. I know.
1: And so like, it's just like, it wasn't until this read that all of a sudden I was like, oh, it's not that like Feyre and Reese are wrong. It's not that Tamlin
0: did things well. He did not. No, he made a lot of bad choices.
1: Right. It's just that, Mm, you forget when you read a story you take for granted that it's from like one perspective and it's like mm-hmm. it wasn't until this moment because this is just a like a slightly adjacent <laughs> perspective like it's not Feyre's perspective but Reese is gonna have a lot of the same perspective as Feyre mm-hmm. just slightly tweaked like all of a sudden that I was like oh but again these are just two people on the same side and they're like absolutely allowed to feel that way but on the other hand like if you think about it from Tamlin's side like yeah he, like dude can't win
0: No, I I agree. I mean, he can't, and they... They have villainized him, and I'm not sure that's totally correct.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, like, definitely, like, needs a lot of therapy, and, like, definitely he and Farah had their issues and, like, should not have been together, and, you know, like, a lot of these things are, like, but it's, like, these can be true and... (laughs) You
0: know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs)
1: Like... This is true, and he doesn't necessarily, uh, like, deserve to be filleted necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. I just think I just, it was interesting on this read, because honestly, like, I was probably in camp, for the love of God, don't give me a Tamlin Redemption arc, (laughs) until this reread where I was like, wait a minute, maybe there is something to be said for those people pointing that out. Like, maybe, maybe there's some
0: there. I actually would like to see one, just because... There had to be a good in him. He had to be a good male for him to have done what he did for favor and her family to begin with. So right.
1: Which is also so, something that I forget about, except for the fact that I just did the graphic audio listen, so like because of that, it's top of mind.:
0: <laughs> Right. And I think, and that's part of it too. People forget. Yeah, I, I truly feel that he is misguided. That does not excuse the abuse, that does not excuse the neglect. Right, okay? right. I, I take nothing away from that. That does not it.
1: excuse the way her sisters ended up, Faye.
0: <laughs> no, it doesn't <laughs> excuse that either. But, but at the same time, he was yeah. a pawn and manipulated by Auntie. He right. was a pawn and my and manipul. Manipulated by the King of Hybern, right. He was a pawn and manipulated by his father and his brothers sure. when they attacked Resan's family. He was a pawn and was manipulated by Amarantha. Right. Right. Now, is he not the sharpest knife in the drawer because at some point you would have thought he'd have learned? Yeah,
1: I mean, Probably. he's kind of an idiot, but that's unfortunately like not you know a killable offense
0: (laughs) no it's not I mean you know people make stupid ass mistakes all the time god knows I'm a walking living breathing person who will tell you I make stupid mistakes I mean dear god you've seen me make a couple of them and you're still my friend so thank you Um,
1: (laughs) we try around here
0: (laughs) I know we do Um, but you know at the same time I think people forget that they forget that he himself has been abused. Sure. And in more than one way. And, you know, is he my favorite character? No. Have I ever, like, liked him, liked him? No. But at the same time, I also happen to really like Celtic mythology and fairy tales. And so I knew the Tamlin story. I knew where this was coming from. I knew where it was going. And I understand how that iteration and coloration of the fae and the fairy tale of it um, needs to be. And that was really how I'm used to seeing them um, portrayed.
1: Yeah. no, I get it. So yeah, I mean, just all of that. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting because I never noticed that until like this, this chapter was when I was like, oh, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> fair. Totally fair. But Reese comes in and he's like, because Tamlin's like, what do you want? And Reese is just like, I came to have a little chat. Can I trouble you for tea? <laughs> and then we get a snowflake.
1: I got bad news. I don't think he's got any tea.
0: <laughs> Probably not. But hey, you know who knows? And the snowflake on the other side of this snowflake—it's really just a continuation. I—I'd say it's more like a commercial break.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. It just skipped like walking some halls.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it. Reese is basically explaining how not only are the grounds around the manor dead and not producing and thriving and living, but the manor itself is now, it's like a tomb. And he calls it, he goes, a tomb. This place was a tomb. With yeah. each step toward what had once been the library, the dust and silence pressed in. Tamblin didn't speak, didn't offer any explanations for the vacant house. And the more rooms they pass, the more Resand realizes, like, he has not just, like, ignored them. He has destroyed and ruined these rooms. He's ruined all the furniture. He's, I mean, he has just, he's he's used his claws and he's gouged into the walls. I mean, it's, it's kind of Yeah, sad. but, like,
1: that's, I think that's what I think is so interesting, is that, like, I think when I read it the first time, I was just like, wow, he threw a temper tantrum. (laughs) And he did. But then I remembered that... Then I remembered that if you think about it from Tamlin's point of view, it's a pretty shitty story. You're... Family is gone. Your court is struggling. Amarantha stuck these masks to your face. You have fifty years to get a basically final wife who's human, right? Like great luck right. that one. Then all of a sudden, at the last minute, this bitch does show up. She does like you. You would legitimately like her, but then the worst, like you legitimately like her enough that you send her home. Right. You go deal with Amarantha. She shows up. You don't know what to do, and that's annoying to the readers, but I mean, in fairness, like would most of us know what the, how the hell to handle that, then she dies, then she gets brought back, then you're just excited because she's back, but you're also terrified because, well, you've been through some shit, mm-hmm. and then she disappears on you at your wedding, like she leaves you at the altar, essentially, and you don't know if that was on purpose or not, but it was sketchy. And then she disappears after you have a fight.
0: Well, but the fight that he had did result in him locking her into the house. No, I know.
1: But from his point of view, he right. thought he was doing the right thing to keep her safe. And when he comes home,
0: he's, she's gone. Right.
1: I mean, that's still terrifying. I mean, remember, we hear of Lucian realizing basically what happened from the clues that are left behind and making sure that her melted ring is gone. Right. Like, so so Lucian understood, but, like, Tamlin legitimately thought that he had to, like, go find her because he didn't understand, you know what I'm saying? So, like, then you do find her, she doesn't want to come back, and you're just confused as hell, and then there's this whole, like, breakdown at the end of Akamath where, like, he made some shitty choices obviously but like he didn't necessarily know what the king of hibern was going to do with her sisters and then he thinks he got her back only for her to like th- rip his whole throat th- like his whole court apart and leave again i mean this man got...
0: <laughs> i know i know Over the course it's, it's of like awful. a year
1: you know and so it's like i'm not saying he did good shit but like yeah the man's like, that was when I realized that, like, all of the destruction was, this was not just, like, a man who was, like, throwing a temper tantrum. He was, lit, like, this dude is doing this from, like, a place of hurt and literally has, like, no idea what to do.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I find it interesting because as, as Reese is following Tamlin into the library through all of this craziness and, and making these observations, he also realizes that Lucian had not come there to make amends during solstice. Lucian had come there out of pity, out of mercy. And I find that interesting. Um yeah. I mean, yes, Lucian did that, but Lucian also considered him a friend.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's, yes, there's there's pity. Yes, there's mercy. Yes, there's all of that in there. But at the same time, I think people forget that part of it and that you know yeah lucian's pitying him as well because lucian has now seen lucian saw what he did to pharaoh lucian did try to stop what was happening and couldn't get through to tamlin because anthony was just egging it all on right yeah
1: yeah like I said I'm not saying that like any of that defends any of his stuff I just I don't think I had ever thought about it like that until this chapter and then I was like oh dang like actually if you were to read that story from the other side this would read very differently
0: I agree I totally agree and I wonder if really reading it from the other side would Reese really be the big bad guy yeah
1: yeah, I don't know, and that's the weird part about it, too, is, like, yeah, like, there's just, like, a lot, I don't know, there's, like, a lot of dynamics there, because you're, like, mm-hmm. yeah, but then on the other hand, Tamlin's also, like, an actual idiot, because...
0: <laughs> he is, he's a total idiot. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, but, I yeah, don't know, I don't know, but anyway, carry on, sorry, he, sidetracked.
0: No, <laughs> yeah, it's okay, he never wanted the crown, so I, I actually yeah. feel for him, because, you know, he says that, and he told that the uh, Pharaoh and He right. didn't want the crown. Um. So, anyway... Uh, Reese comes up and you know he's realizing that it's really him and Tamlin in the house uh, and he's like so where's Lucian and uh, Tamlin's like he's out hunting for our dinner hunting for dinner because there were no servants here to make food or buy it which is really wow that's yeah that's good and he says I can't say I feel bad for him only for Lucian once again stuck being with his being his crony. Well, again, not good. Reese finally brings up the real reason why he's here, which is so, why aren't you enforcing your borders? And of course, Tamlin's response is, Do you see anyone here to help me do it?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it's like, even they had abandoned him, interesting. And then he says, Reese says to Tamlin, Farah did her work thoroughly, didn't she? And, of course, Tamlin's response is, with your coaching. And Reese, Reese was like, oh, no, 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 no. Actually, that was all her. Not me at all. It, It's kind of scary when you think about that. Yeah,
1: and again, it's kind of interesting because, like, we... I did see somebody in the fandom like in one of the groups on Facebook point that out once too where they were like you know it's funny because nobody ever says anything about the fact that Feyre like went out of her way to also destroy his court not just like you know what I mean? Not just, like, get information, not just, like, take Lucian with her, but, like, take everybody down with her, like, take everyone out with her, basically. And it's just interesting, because it's, like, on one hand, I kind of get it, after everything he had done, like, to her sister, like, even Lucian couldn't really trust him, and, you know what I mean? Like, I, I kind of get it, because they, like, they couldn't trust that he would use his forces, like, not
0: for evil, <laughs> you
1: know? Right like i kind of get why she did what she did but on the other hand again from his perspective where he again i mean we could be totally wrong but from his perspective where i'm assuming he's thinking i legitimately would never have done anything like that i never meant for that to happen with her sisters like i can't believe she thought that of me yeah that's a pretty shitty thing she did it was Because he's now, like, wow, you mean to tell me that everybody who worked for me, like, my own fiancé, all of them, thought I was so awful, so irredeemable that, like, I I can't even defend my own borders now. Like, that is
0: pretty fucking bad. It is. And I—it actually makes me feel very sorry for him. I pity— I actually— pity Tamla. I was
1: gonna say, I think that that line he says about Lucian pitying him is, like, I kind, again, I get it. Like, actually, I think Lucian absolutely does pity him, and I think he kind of, yeah, like, like, yeah. I feel bad for the guy, too, a little bit.
0: I also think that it says a lot more about Lucian's character in many ways.
1: I know. I know. Like, I kinda love him. I'm back on I'm back to where I was. Remember back in Avatar where I was like, I just want a Lucian book.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. So we'll see. I mean I'm I'm curious to see where all this goes. Yeah. But same. Definitely. There's definitely some stuff being set up here. Sure. She wouldn't take the time to do it this way if she wasn't setting things up for us.
1: I agree with that statement. I agree. We would he'd either be dead or we would know nothing at all. It would just be like a a half-thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tamlin and his shitty borders. Like (laughs) Right.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what
1: like his perspective at his house. (laughs) Like
0: pretty much. Yeah. Um and so they keep talking, and recently Reese it's a couple of low blows. I really don't want to go into it because we've talked so much about how this is breaking down anyway. But Reese basically points out that Ferris has mate, which is such a low blow because, you know, for Tamlin, you know, by by that happening, he it basically means Tamlin lost everything, and it's just kind of a way to reinforce that, right? Um. And so, you know, Reese finally comes to to this realization where he says, he had nothing, had been given everything and squandered it. He didn't deserve my pity, my sympathy. No, Tamlin deserved what he brought upon himself, this husk of a life. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but no. Right. That's what
1: I'm saying is so interesting. Like I think, Reese is allowed to feel that way because that is his mate and you know what I mean but I think the rest of us have to remember that like right he feels that way because he crazy maybe boy like
0: <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> the rest of us don't have to feel that way <laughs> exactly absolutely um, and then of course the comments come up about you know Tamlin says look with the wall gone I need an army To watch that, you know, the borders. And Reese's answer to that is, well, that can be arranged. To which Tamlin at this point, and I don't blame him for being this way, is like, I'm not letting your ilk onto my lands. And Reese does have, you know, Reese's response is not without merit because he says, My ilk, as you call them, fought most of the war that you helped to bring about. So if you need patrols, I will supply the warriors. I agree. I think this is the one place where Tamlin is short-sighted because he he refuses to acknowledge that he really was culpable in bringing about the war. Sure, sure. So like
1: I said, though we don't, like, it's interesting because like we don't. I mean, we get a few chapters here and there from Eas's perspective, and we get nothing from Tamlin's. I really do wonder if, like I said, there's an argument to be made that Tamlin's just that stupid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I agree. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying that makes him likable. I'm not saying that makes it okay. But there's a huge difference between, like, evil genius and just dumb and malleable. (laughs) I
0: agree. I completely agree. Tamlin starts to bait him about the warriors and the, the help for, you know, soldiers. And so reese is like i'm not you know he he makes the decision not to rise to the bait which yeah good for reese he's trying to be the better male here and as he says you brought every bit of this upon yourself i didn't need to yell to convey my rage i never had and of course tamlin's response is you won you got your mate is that not enough And Reese comes back with, you nearly destroyed her in every way possible.
1: Also, I know that it says he's not yelling, but I really enjoy in my head the idea that he quietly says, "You brought every bit of this upon yourself." Like he's holding it in, and he's went and then loses it after. <laughs> he's like, "You won. You got your mate. Is that not enough?" And he just is like shouting, "No! You nearly destroyed her in every way possible." Like I right. could see that being his breaking point, where it's like, "I twitch. I twitch." <laughs> Like, I just hope if we're going to bother with this scene, like, on TV, I hope we get some, like, meaty rage.
0: <laughs> I know. Otherwise, really really it's really boring. <laughs> I, know, I really can't wait to see what this is. This is one of those scenes I'm dying to see on TV. Yeah. But, like, directed well, not worked for word from the book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Absolutely. You know, so, Tamlin basically kicks Reese out. And Reese takes his final shot. And he basically is, you know, he goes off on Tamlin. But the last little bit is just kind of really what sets the tone and really lets you know how things are going is, I hope you live the rest of your miserable life alone here. It's a far more satisfying end than slaughtering you. (laughs) Oh, God. Here we go. Like, hang on, people. Um... Yeah, but, like, what a good redemption arc starter, though.
1: Because, like, that's when a character goes, no, okay, cool, like, I this is my second chance then, because I could be dead, I'm not, like, he could have killed me, he's absolutely right, but he didn't, I'm still alive, so what am I going to do with it now? Okay, maybe I go out of my way to live my best life as a return, fuck you, like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I, I'm just saying- I'm not necessarily saying a Tamlin Redemption arc is the book I want. I got a lot of books I want, and that's truly not necessarily one of them. But <laughs> it could be done well, and it could be where we're going. I
0: agree.
1: 100%. Or a slice of another book where we're going.
0: I totally agree. Um, Reese acknowledges just Tamlin gets angry. Like, he sees the anger, he sees the temper. Right. And then as soon as it comes up, Tamlin manages to subdue it. And this is where I really think we're going to see the, the redemption arc because right. this is where it starts. And Tamlin's like, get out. And as Reese is leaving, he acknowledges that Tamlin is a broken male, broken from his own actions and his own choices. Um, but as he's winnowing away, another thought occurs to him and it's the dark wind ripping around me. A strange sort of hollowness took root in my stomach. Tamlin didn't have shields around the house, none, to protect anyone from winnowing in, to guard against enemies appearing in his bedroom and slitting his throat. Yeah. Oh. Okay then. Well, here we go, and we get Snowflake.
1: I just also think it's interesting too, because you have to wonder if Reese, because he has this like momentary thought where he's like, "Wait a minute, like this guy is like." Yeah, he's not even, like, trying to protect himself, let alone the border. So, I mean, A, we're right about the border, but B, I mean, this dude is, like, beyond broken. Like, you have to wonder if he also thought the same thing, though, which is, like, he baited me. I didn't take the bait. But, like, I baited him, and he didn't either. Like, he's destroyed his own house (laughs) from the inside out. But he also could have taken a stab at me. Wouldn't have worked, but could have tried and he didn't even bother. Like, I feel like that tells us two things, which is, he's literally so broken he can't be bothered. And then also though, that he's like, like, I keep joking that he's an idiot. He might just be an idiot, but he's not, like, stupid. You know what I mean? Like, he's not gonna, like, go out on a whim and attack Reese.
0: And he's been been put in a really shitty position. The problem is the chapter's not even over, because we get another snowflake. I know, I know. And Reese is widowed back to Valaris. He widows right to Feyre, and her response to him is that bad. And he just nods. Yeah. She wants him to walk home with her. And she he tells her he he fesses up to what happened between him and Tamlin, what was said. Which, fair, absolutely one hundred percent fair. I get that. And I, I love her response. She's like, well, having heard you rip into Cassian, I'd say you were fairly mild.
1: <laughs> I know, I thought that was funny.
0: You know, then Favour asks the real question, which is, did you go because you're worried about the wall or did you go because you want to say those things to him? And Reese is honest enough to say both, which I respect. Um, he also says possibly to even slaughter him, which he chose not to do. Anyway, Reese. Reese is like he's beating himself up now and he's like I should have been the bigger male and she's like you are the bigger male you are also entitled to make mistakes right and that sets Reese off because he's like I haven't bought her anything for solstice oh shit I gotta go buy her some solstice presents yeah you're being a typical male right now
1: (laughs) he's like oh crap it I gotta buy her a solstice present and a birthday present oh (laughs) Oops. Also known he as says, how my husband feels about Christmas because my birthday is two weeks before
0: Christmas. <laughs> anyway, so he takes off on her. She goes back and does her, you know, continues on her way back home and to finish shopping. And we get another snowflake. This time, we we find out Reese is at his preferred jeweler's jewelry store.
1: Man, to have a preferred jeweler, you must have some money.
0: <laughs> and I love how he describes it. Sapphire's emeralds, rubies. Fabra had them all. But then I like he says small and moderate amounts. And I'm thinking, you've taken her to the jewelry trove in the house of wind, which is full.
1: Yeah, but I wonder, I thought the same thing, but I wonder if he means that he specifically picked out for her versus, like, the family jewels.
0: (laughs) Right, fair. That's very fair. Like, because she is not a jewelry person, really. Right. So I
1: could see, like, he's bought her a few things over the last few months. Like, oh, I was out and I saw this and I thought of you. I could see him being that way.
0: (laughs) I agree. I agree. I hadn't thought of it that way. I, I yeah. admit that. I only <laughs> thought of it that way because I also flagged that sentence like WTF. <laughs> you, you have an entire treasure room in the House of wind that's like overflowing with shit. What? Um, moderate well, amount. We, oh, well, wow. maybe,
1: because the second sentence is weird too, save for those cuffs of solid diamond I'd given her for Starfall. Maybe he means <laughs> Maybe he means moderate, like, per item. Like, you know how he always talks about how, like, everything you get Amarin is just, like, a big, chunky, (laughs) complicated looking? Maybe he, maybe, maybe all of the, like, even the family Nightcore stuff is, like, much more, you know, the metals and then some sparklies. Not, like, super chunky stuff. So, like, the moderate amount is that, yeah, she has these things, but like that one has a ruby, that one has a sapphire, that one has a thingy, other than the fucking two bracelet shits of.
0: From <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah yeah and they're not, not. just they're cuffs which makes me think about this and i'm like holy shit what did those things cost
1: right right so maybe that's what he means maybe he just means like the style of them is considered moderate compared to like the chunky nonsense that his jeweler is showing
0: <laughs> you know and that's very possible because when i think <laughs> no. about it like for all the sparkly stuff that i love and you know i like my sparklies yeah i feel, I feel like a drake in that sense boy help me now right <laughs> This is where this is where Amarin and I get along. I like sparklies, but at the same time, even with all of it that I own, and I own all kinds of jewelry. I, I used to sell jewelry, so I own quite a few pieces. I, I don't like the big, big pieces. Yeah, seamlessly. they're
1: like yeah, they're like the understated, dainty side. So even if you have multiples, they're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's you know, what he means. maybe that's what he means. I don't like, know.
0: I don't know, because most of my stuff isn't like big and flashy and in your face.
1: Or maybe we just take it for what it is, which is, this is what happens when S.C.M. writes from a different
0: perspective. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not, not great. <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just weird. Anyway, it struck me as odd, that's all. That's why I, I, I'm commenting on it. I agree. Um, Reese does come to the conclusion that Feyre probably does not want Or need jewels for solstice. I am not her mate and I could have told you that. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag true. Um, However, she does pull out some other pieces and she's like, I love how Neb says this to him. She goes, I had selected these earlier, if it's not too presumptuous, to consider for Lady Amarin. (laughs) And as Reese says, they all sang Amarin's name. Large stones, delicate settings, mighty jewelry for my mighty friend. And let's face it, we all know that not only is she like a mandrake and hoarding her her jewels, but <clears throat> Ammon Am- Am- Am likes the big flashy shit. Mm-hmm. And she can wear it, and it doesn't wear her. And yeah. it's, it's about personality. So I'm like, okay. Um, anyway, he looks at all of them and he's like... I'll take them all. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, and that that's the end of the chapter, finally! <laughs> well, chapter 12 is also kind of long.
1: <laughs> I know, sorry. Okay, so chapter 12 is Feyre's perspective. So, um, I'm gonna, like, kind of, I don't, I'm not, I'm not gonna gloss over the first chunk of this. I'm going to go through the first chunk of it. But the first chunk of it, like, is not super plot heavy because we're decorating for Christmas and we're drunk. (laughs) Yay! So, um, Cassian comes in and Feyre's like, what the hell's that? (laughs) That's because he just dumps a whole bunch of like pine shit in the (laughs) middle of the floor and is like i'm done
0: i got the (laughs) decoration it's just pine garland that's all it is and he just dumps it all (laughs) bunch of pine shit
1: (laughs) and she's like what's that And he's like, oh, like, he makes a joke. He says, a heap of pine in the middle of the floor is night court tradition. Um, In other words, I go out, I get it, and somehow it ends up put up where it's supposed to go. But don't ask me about that part, is what I took from that. (laughs) Exactly. And so he, like, realizes she has no idea what the fuck he's talking about. And he's like, oh, like, you know, we, like, put it on the mantles and the banister and, you know, whatever the fuck you wanna put pine shit on. (laughs) And she's like, oh. (laughs) And so she's like, um, by the way, like, weird way to say hello. And so he goes over and he, like, picks her up and gives her like a big honking hug and, like, swings her around, which is adorable because they haven't seen each other in a little bit because he's been like, you know, playing Illyrian man. Up in the mountains. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so then he's like, what'd you get me for solstice? And she's like, a heaping pile of shut the hell up. <laughs> Which I love. <laughs> and this is
0: the relationship
1: i love it oh i know me too and this is when it all goes downhill but not for them i go it's great play it's a great time for them it goes downhill for the pine itself because um they bust out the wine and i mean i'm just saying like probably nobody does their best decorating like drunk off their ass so there's that
0: (laughs) fair very fair i would agree
1: then we get a snowflake and that's because they drank not one but two bottles of wine <laughs> before Azriel shows up and As is like the fuck because he basically shows up realizes they've done a shitty job if they've accomplished hardly you know whatever they've accomplished in the time anyway and he's like so guess this is my problem now because I'm not the drunk one so <laughs> so essentially um he ends up with the job of not only like trying to fix up all of the like crooked ugly shit they've put up but like sweeping up all the pine needles that they've just strewn everywhere um what he actually what he actually says is it's almost like you two tried to make it as ugly as possible (laughs) So, yeah, so, anyway, uh, finally, like, they kind of goad him into, like, well, come take a drink, come take a drink, like, y'all, you won't think it's ugly if you're drunk like us, right? And so he finally is, like, oh, my God, whatever, and he, like, takes a drink just as Reese is coming in the door. <laughs> and
0: well, Reese is- he doesn't to take a drink. He
1: oh, yeah.
0: He- oh, no, 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 no. He chugs it from the bottle. Bottle, yeah,
1: yeah. And so Reese is like, well, at least now I know who's drinking all my good wine. Want another one, As? And so Az basically, like, spits it out and is like, what the fuck? <laughs>
0: like, Y'all
1: set me up, you jackasses. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, fun times, fun times. Um, Reese says some sketchy shit down the barn. Something about favorite dog, we don't gotta worry about it. <laughs> anyway now more is here and more's like it's cold as hell and who the hell let Cassie and her favorite decorate so um you know like i said like it's all going downhill as far as the pine needles are concerned they're just going to continue to like fall off and be everywhere because now there's just more people and more drinking so, yeah, um, they do joke like, oh, we're just getting started on Reese's collection. And he says, well, it is there for anyone to drink, you know, help yourself to whatever you want, which I think is kind of an adorable line because, like, I feel like Reese is one of these people who means it.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: But uh, at this time, Amron enters and Amron's like, well, that was dangerous. <laughs> like, Why would you say that? <laughs> Um, but also she comes in in like the ugliest fucking sweater you've ever seen. Uh long story short, she looks like an angry snowball. Not my words. Not my words. I would not say that because that that would get you shanked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a sweater, it's a fur coat. Yeah. Yeah. But Cassian's
1: the one dumb enough to say it, so there's that. <laughs> um anyway cassian and 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 amarin kind of get into it because cassian calls her you know an ugly snowball angry snowball and uh they get into it so she, he brings up ne- she brings up nesta and he immediately gets like Err! face and uh anyway it turns into just like shut it amarin and uh awkwardly Moore is just like staring at Kat. I've never understood this angle I do not understand why Moore cares so much <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've never understood this angle but I brought it up in the other books uh Moore looks at Cassie and all wonky wonk as he like alludes to being frustrated about the Nesta situation and Reese is like changing the subject let's do another subject <laughs> Um. anyway uh, Amorin's like okay fine whatever by the way Varian's coming so deal with it <laughs>
0: okay well, thanks Amorin we love you too
1: exactly and we get a snowflake
0: <laughs> and Elaine is in the kitchen
1: and that's because that's like Elaine's happy p- it kind of makes sense at first I was like why is Elaine in the kitchen so much well because it's fucking winter so she can't be out in the garden
0: <laughs> a little cold out Yeah.
1: Yeah. So she needed a new hobby and it's hanging out with the ghosty girls. And so they're up in the kitchen and Feyre like, I guess I'm gonna open a can of worms. (laughs) She's like, any word from Nesta. And Elaine's like, no, I told her to join us tonight and to let me know when she decided I didn't hear back. (laughs) Which is, yeah, like... I think, like, up till this point, we all assume that, like, yeah, yeah, Feyre hasn't heard from Nesta, but, like, we kind of thought Elaine had. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. But then it's awkward because is like, do you think it's worth fetching her? And Elaine says, are you asking me that as her sister or as a seer?
0: Uh, everybody <laughs> said that Elaine has no Backbone I'm sorry that takes some, some backbone to say that shit Okay so that's the thing So in this section
1: uh, You find that Elaine actually Like I, I appreciate that Elaine talks More than we've like really heard from her Up to this point point. Um, and she does definitely have some backbone But I also feel like you know those people Who say stuff that's like Kind of mean but they have no Idea because they're like socially Awkward <laughs> yeah that's kind of how i feel about everything elaine says are you asking me that as her sister or as a seer like i feel like it probably came out bitchy but she's kind of like no i just want (laughs) to (laughs) know because we get to another chapter a couple chapters from here when they're shopping and she says some kind of sketchy shit to the little shop lady. <laughs> where i'm like i don't think elaine is mean i think elaine is just
0: awkward yeah <laughs> like i think she went she... From being, she went from being probably the most sociable of the three yeah to being, after being made by the cauldron, the most awkward of the three.
1: Right, right. Which I think is interesting and probably like a, you know, character arc in itself. <laughs> But I think that she does give some good insight because Feyre is like, well, you know Nesta best. So, like, I, so basically I'm asking you as your sister, but I mean, whatever works, right? (laughs) And Elaine says, if Nesta doesn't want to be here tonight, then it's more trouble than it's worth to bring her. And it's like, yeah, I could see that. (laughs) Fair Fera kind of goes into her head like she do uh, and gives us a little background which is like uh, just noting that like since their you know father died at the end of Back war and all that um, they did like bury his body and give him a head well <laughs> bury his body
0: quotes in quotes
1: but they gave him a headstone and um, she's visited and Elaine goes like all the time but to her knowledge Nesta has never even been and so all of that is just like, there's more to it than that, but all of that section is just to lead up to what Feyre is finally saying, which is Nesta is still a part of this family. And Elaine is frustrated and she's like, well, is she? Because she doesn't act like it. And I think that's a weird. Like, I think it's setting up the weird, like, I have not read Silver Flames. I mean, I know the whole freaking book. <laughs> I, 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 I think this is kind of setting up kind of what we were just saying about Tamlin. I think it sets up the same for Nesta, which is like, I think it's easy for like Feyre and Elaine to be like, well, she's not acting like part of the family. (laughs) The thing is, is, um, ladies, did you even really have a family before the Cauldron and the Fae nonsense? Like, before the Pointy Ears, were you really a family? Because I beg to differ.
0: I would agree with that, 100%. Like,
1: don't we all remember the beginning of Akatar? Like...
0: <laughs> I do.
1: So... And then, and then, okay, forget just the beginning of Akatar when, like, Ness is being a bitch, but, like, still, like, baby's Elaine or whatever. Okay, that's already a weird fucking dynamic. But then, think the end of Avatar when Nest like, when Elaine is like, yeah, everything is magically better, we have money, and blah, 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 and is like, oh, that's nice. And Nesta's like, yeah, well, bitch, I went and looked for you, and, like, I know that this is all some Fey bullshit, right? And so, like, even at that point, Nesta and Elaine's relationship isn't the same as it used to be. Exactly. So, I don't really know why we're suddenly acting like this is all a post-Akawar problem.
0: (laughs) I would agree. I think people missed that the RIV kicked in when Pharaoh left.
1: Right. So, yeah. I guess I just, I'm like, what family? Like, (laughs) what? what is it you guys miss again? Like, I don't remember a time when the three of you were ever a family really <laughs> so what but anyway that's just me who the hell am I in fairness Elaine gets kind of upset after this and Faye also picks up on what I said which is like Elaine seems to be like being a little bit much with this conversation and finally Elaine admits it's not really just about like Nesta's not here today or Nesta may not come to Solstice it's about the fact that Nesta actually said she doesn't want to come to anything ever
0: Yikes! Yeah. That's a little harsh. That's just me. Yeah, that's harsh.
1: yes okay I'm sorry but like also as like a tired stressed out mom and as an older sister who was like considerably older than her younger sibling I feel like I've been there where you've been like how about now how about now how about now how about tomorrow how about later how about next Thursday how about next Friday how about next Friday night how about next Saturday morning I don't want to come to anything ever (laughs) like you know what (laughs) I feel like we have to give Nesta some grace in that we unfortunately know how the whole inner circle functions and Elaine, so can you imagine being bombarded by these people on the daily?
0: Yeah, no. (laughs) You're already feeling like you're on the outside to begin with, right? Like, Nesta's never been made to feel like she's accepted warm and welcome here, you know? I mean, let's face it. Right.
1: So, I mean, yeah. Saying I'll never come to anything ever. And I guess she goes on to say, like, you have your lives, I have mine. Uh, While well, I think that that's shitty, I also don't necessarily think she means it. And I think it's kind of wild <laughs> that, like, Elaine and Farah are so worried about, like, that we're a family. Okay, well then how can you not hear that those are the words of somebody who is, like, hurting and irritated?
0: they're both still so absorbed in their own lives but what they're doing is much more compatible with each other than with what Nesta's doing.
1: Right. And so that's why I just think it's interesting because it's like again, I think it's really easy to make Nesta the bad guy when it's like okay (laughs) but I wish we could hear the conversation that resulted in she
0: said she didn't want to come to anything ever (laughs) My money would be that Elaine kind of nagged her a little Honestly, right. Well,
1: I could even see it being that, again, sometimes you don't get the whole story. I could even see it being that Feyre had asked cassian had said anything not even related to coming to solstice just spoke to her so that was a second like somebody's in my fucking bubble you know what i mean and then elaine shows up and elaine's being pushy about it and it's like all at the same time and i could see that being too much you know what i mean and it's not that it's elaine but elaine is the one who's currently here pestering you so you yell it at her you know what i mean yep no i agree so, yeah. Anyway, that's how that goes. Uh, Faye was just too busy being in shock. Like,
0: oh, my God, she would say that to Elaine, lady, but we're in a family. And,
1: yeah, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> uh, they have a weird little, like, moment where Faye was trying to, like, <laughs> come off of this conversation and just be like, you know, are you okay? Like, are we okay? Is everybody, you know, okay? And it's like, no, clearly we're not. <laughs> just like, oh um but she says like why wouldn't i be all right and Faber realizes that elaine's like faking it like she often like has had to fake it herself and uh we probably would have like more sisterly awkwardness uh except for the fact that like cassian busts in and is like hey everybody is a party <laughs> <laughs> yep
0: yeah, because he's buzzed
1: exactly and i mean they're like where the food is and you know drunk people like food and so <laughs> he's like are you just gonna stand there holding that chicken all night <laughs> <Which I love. laughs> and favor being favor is like ice spat in it <laughs> like no, no no i hate you <laughs> um anyway they bring everything to the table we're going to have dinner and Uh, Elaine and Az share an awkward hello, Mm -hmm. which is again, okay, (laughs) only awkward because I think they're both awkward individuals, so that's fine, like, that's fun, I like when awkward people are awkward together, but again, more has to be all, like, evil dagger eyes, and I don't know why. Anyway, uh, As is the only, like, halfway decent person in the room. Offers to take all that crap out of Elaine's hands and put it on the table. So, you know, mm-hmm. points for him. And everybody's getting, like, their ta- their plates all set up and, you know, scooping on all the things. The potatoes, the chicken, the yada, yada, yada. And they're starting to eat. And Cameron's <laughs> like, already drinking her wine, yada, yada, yada. And then finally Az is, like, wait. Cassian says, "Wait for what? Gravy."
0: And he's like, because, "Well, because because Elaine's like, I'll be right back." She but leaves the he, table.
1: And yeah, so I was to say he's like, "Wait until everyone is seated before eating because Elaine isn't seated." <laughs> um, which is adorable and also really fucking awkward. I mean, eh. It's interest okay, it's awkward because, like, all we get out loud is, like, that. And everybody even kind of says, like, since when, like, <laughs> since when is this a thing? Like, we don't do this, right? Like, what are you talking about? But then down the bond, Reese explains, he says, uh, like, favors, like, what's that about? And he says it had nothing to do with Cassian because he, like, snaps at Cassian about the whole thing. And he says, let's just say it hit a little close to home. There are some scars when it comes to how his mother was treated. Many scars. None of us bother to wait for everyone to sit, at least of all Cassian. Uh, it can strike at odd times. And it's like, yeah, I would say so, because I don't understand what uh, his mother has to do with anything.
0: I agree. But, okay, it could also, all right. It could have been a trigger like a trauma trigger yeah and i so- yeah, but, but here's the thing and i know this from from my last therapy session anything can trigger a trauma reaction anything
1: yeah but for storytelling purposes that doesn't do us a whole lot of good
0: i'm not disagreeing with you but i am saying i understand that part of it like when reese is explaining we don't always know what's driving it it just happens um it's a trauma response and they can be triggered by anything sure
1: it i don't know it just still strikes odd because what elaine and his mother have to do with any of it like Unfortunately, at this point, we have like the least information about Az out of anybody, right? No, I agree, and it's I think it's really hard to hinge an entire scene on some imaginary triggers that we don't know
0: for trauma. We also don't have details for. <laughs> so here's the thing that I have to wonder: is is this part of what triggers? The beginning of the whole Azrael and Elaine shippers,
1: I guess. I assumed that was back in Akawar when he gave her Truth Teller or whatever.
0: Well, yeah, but I think this becomes yet another.
1: Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. But that also goes back to why I'm so confused, which is I told we talked about this in Akawar. I Like, I'm going to assume that SJM has a plan. I don't know what it is, but I'm assume she's got a plan. But to me, it feels a little bit like she's like, Elaine and Lucian are mates. And then I like Elaine and Ezra better. Okay, well, then you're going to have to fix this somehow. (laughs) (laughs) I keep saying that Lucian and Elaine are mates. However, I do not like to write
0: Lucian lane
1: scenes. Well, then we have a problem.
0: <laughs> I agree. I, I am not disagreeing with you at all. I just, I think yeah. that's what this scene kind of, yeah, gets you into. Yeah, I don't know. No, I feel I that. Think that up.
1: Um, but, like, luckily, uh, you know, the nice thing about a dinner party is that if anybody does anything awkward, like Asriel just did, there's always somebody else who can do something also awkward, which is, we change the subject, and we're still talking about, like, we start talking about food, and, uh, Amarin's just kind of, like, still getting used to eating food, because, like, remember, she didn't used to do that. Um, and now we're going to have some great dinner conversation about how Amorin's not used to eating food. And she's also not used to what happens when you eat food. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? And she's just like, yeah, I don't like the results of what happens when you eat food. And Elaine, this is why I stand by it. Elaine's just awkward. She's not mean, she's mm-hmm. just awkward, because she's like, what sort of results? And everyone, <laughs> Reese goes, don't answer that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> knows that Amryn will. Um, so she answers it as delicately as she can, which is do you know how inconvenient it is to have to find a place to relieve myself everywhere I go.
0: <laughs> she should have picked the mail form so then she could just whip it out and take care of the problem.
1: Yeah, which I think is hilarious. I I just I I don't think I have ever felt so seen. <laughs> yeah mm -hmm,
0: I do Um, (laughs) I do been there done that still am sometimes
1: yeah and uh, like Kim said she talks about how it would be she should have been a dude because then she could just whip it out instead of like basically spilling and going everywhere and is like wait a minute you mean to tell me that after all this time you still can't pee in a toilet like without missing
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's like this yeah, is in a conversation. Hmm. Yeah,
1: uh, Cassie makes a joke like, "Do you even know how the toilet works?" Like, yeah. But Elaine, like I said, is awkward as fuck. So we're talking about Ammon's bathroom habits, and Elaine is still stuck like a page back when she said I should have been a dude. And she's like, "Wait, could you have done that? Like, if you had wanted when you picked your like form, could you have picked a dude?" And she says, yeah, she could have picked whatever form, you know, she wasn't male or female, like when she was, you know, a ball of light or whatever the fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, she says that she picked the female body because she was just like more drawn to it. She thought it was more symmetrical. She liked it, whatever. And Elaine's like, oh, but like once you picked this body, you couldn't like you can't change it. And Amorin's just looking at her like, what is your deal? And so finally she realizes, like, what she must be asking. And she says to her, there's no going back to being human. And so, like, she must have, you know, kind of gathered (laughs) where Elaine was going with that. Which is why I think it's also, again, I feel like everybody's just awkward at this dinner. Because then Faye was like, Amorin, like, you know what are you know basically being like Amron why would you bring that up because then Elaine's all like I don't know what you're talking about and I just think it's so awkward because it's like Amor didn't make it up Amor's not an idiot we all who the hell is sitting at this table not figuring that's where Elaine's going with this exactly so I don't know we're doing the thing where we baby Elaine again and then blame everybody else and I don't get it anyway I mean Amron can be kind of
0: Cold, <laughs> not denying that, <laughs> just, a bit, just a small bit. You guys are missing the look I just gave Kelsey.
1: <laughs> I like, She can be kind of cold. I get it, I get it. Um, but I just also think that Amarin's like, n- She's not beating around the bush, and everybody else is. And that's one thing I gotta give Amarin is like, She just always calls it like she sees it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, which then earns her <laughs> from Reese. Amran, you have a spectacular gift for ruining dinner conversation. I wonder if you could make a career out of it. Um, so yeah, good times. Uh, and basically, we just get a snowflake after that. Yep. So now, because dinner wasn't bad enough, um, we decide to go knock on Nesta's door. Good times. Good
0: time. Well, because Fair is pissed off at her for what she said to Elaine.
1: Yeah, which I get, which was still earlier this chapter, even though it feels like a lifetime ago because of so many snowflakes. Um,
0: (laughs) I agree with that. I I, I get that. It's
1: (laughs) pre-dinner, which I get, but I sort of feel like is actually spurred by dinner because of the whole like Amber and Elaine conversation. And I think it makes her even more like, see, like Elaine needs you, Nesta, which is, I just feel like some bullshit or whatever. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> I just really feel like we baby Elaine in a weird way. Because again, I don't think Elaine is stupid and needs to be babied. I think Elaine is just awkward. <laughs> Probably needs more socialization like a puppy.
0: Actually, yeah. I, would, I Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what's sad is thinking about
1: like Aquar and like, Uh, like everything we said about like Elaine being like in her like la la land and like Nesta being a bitch about it and yada yada like out of of everything everybody said probably (laughs) Lucian had the best plan (laughs) which was like just spend time around Elaine and if she wants to talk good and if she do not oh (laughs) well like i feel like i feel like lucian was trying the puppy method i agree so i feel like we didn't give him enough uh opportunities to try that method because i think it probably would have
0: worked uh, you know you never know it's very possible yeah
1: but anyway so we got that snowflake and then we're knocking on Nessa's door because you know this chapter just never fucking ends uh nesta does not answer Uh, They're like, well, she's got to be at one of the few bars and she likes the seedy ones. Any ideas where that could be? And Reese is like, give me just a minute. (laughs) And they winnow their ass over there. Uh, To which, I love what Reese says, which is, there are concert halls, fine restaurants, pleasure clubs, and yet your sister (laughs) Uh, the end of that sentence is, manages to find the seediest, uh, most miserable tavern in Valar's. (laughs)
0: yep it makes you wonder yeah
1: Um, and so basically the chapter just ends with Feyre being like guess I'm going in there and Reese is just like if someone propositions you tell them we'll both be free in an hour (laughs) I love that yeah I'm like okay (laughs) one way to handle this um, so chapter 13 just picks up there. <laughs> Thera goes into the bar. And that's where her sister is drinking. She doesn't have, like, drinking companions. She just has, like, dudes playing cards.
0: <laughs> of whom she will take her, her, her choice of the night. Of who she's taking home with her
1: right which like is (laughs) which is interesting to me that for some reason favor is like upset about this and i'm like okay but what is the alternative (laughs) like is drinking alone in depression better (laughs) like Um, yeah. And I
0: know she doesn't want to be around all of them drinking.
1: Right. So, yeah, I don't, I guess I'm just kind of confused because Favorite acts like, ugh, I can't believe I found her in this place, and ugh, I can't believe she's probably going to take home one of these random dudes. Okay, well, I can. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Maybe that's just because I'm like, I don't know, I went to an American college, so I absolutely can believe this. Yes. <laughs>
0: <Like, laughs>
1: I guess i'm just like i don't know um she's young she's gonna
0: live forever she's pissed off <laughs> she's not like married with children so hell it. <laughs> like, go get them girl you me you
1: yeah exactly so i'm like i'm not really sure why I we're getting like this weird judgy vibe from there
0: <laughs> I'm a little hypocritical critical in a way i do
1: I do too, except for that, I, 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 here's the thing, like, I'm making jokes about it, I do think that Farah's being a little hypocritical, I think it's, like, coming from a weird place, but I think that's the point, is it's coming from a weird place, which is, she's pissed off because Nesta is here and not with, like, them, like, she well, took exactly. down dinner to do this instead, and it's like, in a way, I think Farah feels like if her sister was off doing something <laughs> halfway, like, you know. Uh, I don't know, like decent. Right. Like, I don't know, like working at a soup kitchen or like with some boyfriend or some you know, established uh, guy or something, then she could at
0: least be like, okay, oh, fine, like Or even seeing a show.
1: Right, exactly. Like, I think farah just feels like I can't believe like the like random drinks with random dude is what you picked over your family. So like it, it, I think it came off kind of judgy and weird in the way that it's written, but I think the motivation probably makes more sense, which is she's just pissed off.
0: I agree a hundred percent.
1: Yeah. So she does note that basically Nesta looks worse for wear. Every ounce of weight that Elaine had gained in the last few months, Nesta has lost. So uh Nesta was a skinny beanpole to begin with, from what I recall. <laughs> so I can't imagine what that looks like. Um But I thought this was interesting. Yeah, I thought I think so too. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I thought it was just interesting what she says, which is she was as ever immaculately clean despite the hovel. (laughs) Because remember, she's living in some like crappy apartment, like the crappiest place she could find. Which I just think is interesting that like, but she does take some pride in her appearance. She may not be eating well. She may not be like taking care of herself. She may not be making like. The safest choices, whatever the fuck that means, quote unquote. But like clearly she's not completely off her rocker because she has taken the time and the means to like clean up well. So there's that.
0: I think it's it's Farrah's way of kind of mentally acknowledging that her sister hasn't slipped past a redeemable point yet. Sure sure
1: but then also like I said weird because like redeemable by specifically Feyre and Elaine standards which is like something to take away from this I think
0: <laughs> I agree it's very bizarre
1: yeah um but anyway so Fair is like <sighs> like kind of eyeballing her from across the room and then kind of stalking her away when Reese <laughs> says down the bond your sister's uh, handily beating them at cards by the way <laughs> <laughs> which I just think is cute, um, That's awesome, yeah, uh, I just think it's cute that he's like kind of trying to lighten the mood because I think he also senses what we've been saying, which is, um, you can feel some sort of way about Nesta, but you're still gonna be you're like you're still holding Nesta to standards that have nothing to do with Nesta. like have you met Nesta? <laughs> like, uh, so I, I think even he's like. Mm, before you go over there i'm gonna lighten the mood a little bit uh anyway she uh, does stalk her way over there <clears throat> and uh would like a word with her sister please and so the dudes uh realize well this is about to not go great so they uh find somewhere else to be um This is where Feyre kind of sounds like a bitch and is like, so which one were you going to go home with tonight? And Ness is like, I hadn't decided, which, like, I think is a fair statement and also, like, I feel like this is the time where Reese should have been down the bond like, not
0: a good start, Feyre! (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't do it, which I'm just kind of like, "All right, dude, really? Like, I get, I get you're going to go out of your way to protect her, but really? Yeah, I think, I think... Uh, giving him the benefit of the doubt i think he
1: thought he did enough (laughs) like i think he thought like he set her up well and he was like oh your sister's beating the card by the way and then she's like you're snoop and he's like but you love me like i think he thought he did enough and then this happened and he was like well shit
0: (laughs) i agree this is I did not did not appreciate the humor he was trying to use
1: yeah i think he's like well shit this went like it went um so she you know so now it's just awkward and icy and they're just staring each other down which is great um they're not like blinking and finally reese says down the bond. He's kind of, kind of like in the mood again he's like um like what <laughs> like what are we doing uh because fair was like in her head i could wait i could wait here all damn night And he's like, "Um, my money's on your sister. (laughs) And she she tells him to be quiet. And he's like, it's getting cold out here. Like, what are you doing? And so finally, it's Nesta who breaks the silence, which is shocking. And she's like, is that maid of yours going to stand in the cold all night? (laughs) Which I love because it tells you two things, which is Nesta doesn't care about this stare down because she's not fucking leaving so is what it is and then also I don't know if you thought you were being sneaky I don't know if you thought you were gonna ambush me but uh wherever you go he goes and I can literally see him out the window so (laughs) like sneaky my ass is basically what she says to Pharaoh.
0: This is not rocket science, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because Feyre tries to be all like, who says he's here? And it's like, uh, Ness is like, I ain't no dumbass, okay? And so anyway, uh, you know, Elaine invited you to come to dinner. Why didn't you come? Uh, Basically because I didn't feel like it. (laughs) Um, Finally, you can read the whole conversation, but it kind of devolves back and forth uh, from, you know, well, why didn't you come to dinner? I don't feel like it. You know, well, why haven't you seen Elaine? Like, well, because I don't want to fucking come to your house. And she's finally kind of says, you know, well, look, why can't Elaine come to me if she wants to see me so much? And Ferris says Elaine is overwhelmed by crowds, and Nesta reminds her she didn't used to be that way. She used to love balls and parties. Yeah. Uh, and I, I. She's Feyre internally says the words, uh, the words hung and spoken, but you and your court dragged us into this world, took that joy away from her. The thing is, is I think it's weird because I think that line from like a third party point of view, like an omniscient type point of view, would be one thing, but coming from Feyre's own brain against herself it's like she's written this narrative that says this is what nesta thinks of yourself you know what i mean like this like Feyre has made up this narrative about what nesta feels about this whole thing but i don't necessarily think that's super accurate
0: i hear you i don't know if i agree or not but i definitely hear what you're saying
1: do you see what i'm saying like that's like just because Nesta's pissed at you just because Nesta hates all of this doesn't necessarily mean that Nesta's thought process is necessarily that Feyre and her court quote-unquote dragged them into all of this because actually we know that that's literally not what happened. Nesta back in Agatar encouraged Feyre to go back to the spring court and save Tamlin or do whatever she needed to do. She also encouraged Feyre to never come back if that's what she needed to do. So Nesta said, go live your fucking life, bitch. I don't got to be a part of it, but like you go do you because you got to go do you. And then Tamlin dragged them into this. That's not Feyre's court. I mean, Nesta even put all that together pretty quickly like, prior to that moment, like, when they came and they were trying to, like, use their house as a, you know, meeting. Exactly. Like, she was like, wait a minute. So let me get this straight. So you leave us. You go to Tamlin. You save Tamlin. You come back to our house with that guy. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so that guy, we like that guy. Like, clear this up for me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We like that guy okay like Nesta doesn't say like well fuck that guy Nesta doesn't say like get out of my house <laughs>
0: just, I agree
1: you know what I mean Nesta's just like okay I mean I don't really understand any of this but again I told you to go live your life and you are living your life so who the hell am I like it's weird to me that somehow from Nesta's like basically uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, apathy about the whole thing <laughs> We now get that somehow Nesta like blames you. I don't think that's the
0: case. <laughs> it is definitely not Farah's fault. I mean, not intentionally and certainly not directly. Indirectly, right. yes, but directly, no. Fair. Right. And that's what I'm saying. This.
1: Like that I just to me it weird re- reads as like a weird guilt trip. Like Farah thinks Nesta thinks this but it must be because on some level Feyre thinks this. <laughs> Do you see what I'm trying to say? Like, why this is so weird?
0: Yeah, though I also think that Nesta's making assumptions as well.
1: Oh, I mean, sure. I'm not saying she's not. I'm just saying I'm not sure that this exact one in italics is it.
0: <laughs> Fair. Fair enough. I not.
1: <laughs> like, I'm not sure that at this moment, at this bar, that is actually what Nesta's thinking. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting because like I said, I think that says more about what Feyre (laughs) thinks about it than what Nesta actually thinks about it. Um, But anyway, she's reminding like, you know, she's reminding Nesta, look, like Solstice is the day after tomorrow. Like, will you come? And, you know, what what can I do to make you come? Will you come for Elaine's sake? Will you come for my sake? Will you come for both our sakes? You know, whatever and nesta doesn't commit and she asks like why why this insistence on distancing yourself and nesta's response again you don't gotta like it but it's accurate nesta's response is why do i have to be a part of your merry little band
0: fair enough fair question
1: well it is a fair question because like i said even going back to akatar this has always kind of been nesta's stance which is you go do you, and that has nothing to do with me. <laughs> and Farah says, You're my sister, which uh again, in my head, I have no idea how that came out on paper or what SJM was thinking, but I hope it comes out semi desperate on TV because I think that would be a sweet moment.
0: Um, I do too, and I think it will, and I do think that that is the ultimate intention here.
1: Yeah right I think that I think this is supposed to read that Feyre is upset and is like because like I want you at my house for solstice because you're my sister like why can't you come for solstice which is a fair statement is just like the point I'm trying to bring up and the reason I think it's all very weird is because again this implies that at some point they were close to begin with and we know that that is not the case
0: true very true that's why
1: I think it's weird because (laughs) It implies some lifelong relationship that they've never had. Uh, But anyway, uh, she kind of says, you know, she kind of implies, like, come for Elaine's sake, fine, like, I know you won't come for mine. And she says, father would want you to, and Nesta's like, don't you finish that sentence. And I think that that's fair, because I, I I agree. I think that was a shitty move. Um, on the other hand, uh, far be it for Nesta to allow a conversation to end without putting her foot in her mouth and being a dumbass, because then she's like, by the way, like, don't forget my rent is due, and, uh, Feyre is like, what about your rent? And she's like, it's due next week in case you forgot. So she kind of uses that to hold over Nesta's head and says, well, will come to Solstice and I'll make sure it's delivered.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um... I just think that's such a weird chapter. I think we've done like, I think we've just done a weird thing with this book, uh, where we have implied that they were a wholesome family to begin with.
0: (laughs) I would agree. Um, I think, I think there's some serious projection. Yeah. Going on here. Um, Especially by Farah, But, at the same time... So there's projection going on. But, you know, it's not like... It's not like Nesta's given her anything to work oh. with.
1: No, absolutely. I think the reason it's important to take away that there's projection going on is because... like, <laughs> We're not getting into it in this episode, but as you and I know where the story is going... I think it's because we're supposed to just get... That Feyre is going through, like, an emotional change in that she, on some level, wants them to be a family, even if they haven't been one before.
0: I agree. I agree with that 100%. I I get that that's
1: where we're going. I just think it was weirdly heavy-handed in these couple of chapters. And I think that the delivery is weird.
0: Yeah, and that makes perfect sense.
1: Like, I definitely, because I know where the storyline is going, I think I know exactly what it's trying to set up, and I think on some level it does a good job of that. <laughs> but <laughs> I still think that it was done in a slightly, like, heavy-handed, shoved-in-there kind of way. That <laughs>
0: makes sense. I mean, I, I know why you say that it does make sense yeah
1: yeah so uh if you want to know about that you'll have to keep listening because uh there's going to be more episodes we're just gonna shove them all in
0: before the end of july guys (laughs) exactly (laughs) kind of like we're just gonna shove in a bunch of songs right here kim what are they (laughs) so it's funny because we've finally gotten to the point where it's the the music choices are like very easy to find because sure. we're finally kind of getting into a meaty. I hate to say that, but a meatier part of the story, like the character sure, setup, sure. is done. Now we're finally into the meat of it. So, song one is a song called "A Court of Thorns and Roses" by Ray Juli- Julian Julie and, um, and it's Reese at the Spring Court with Tamlin. Uh, when he gets there, and it's just it's dead. You know, like a court of thorns and roses, and at this point, it's all thorns <laughs> and no roses. Um, song two is "Pictures of You" by the Cure, and it's funny; it's one of my favorite Cure songs. But I, I picked it because if you really listen to the lyrics, it really describes how Tamlin feels about Feyre. He's still carrying the torch for her, and it just—it's kind of like there uh, in the wind. Uh, song three is uh, Venny of Veni." Uh, by Manaheim Steamroller and it's when Reese is leaving the Spring Court um, I want to go ahead I'm going to say this up front most of the songs I've picked uh, for this episode and definitely the next are more instrumental than they are actually sure. lyric driven because right. I'm going for even if the name makes it sound one way I, a lot of what I'm going for is the feel from the actual song itself from the music of the way it sounds right. And Veni Veni is actually, it's a Latin version of Ocum Come, Ocum Come, Emmanuel, and it, it's not the lyrics or what the song is about, but it's the actual, just the instrumental portrayal. It's a very kind of sad and and melancholy tune, and I just, I think it kind of fits what we are learning about the Spring court in that time. Right. Um, then the next song is still, still, still again by Manaheim steamroller. I really like Manaheim steamroller cause it's instrumental for the most part. And it really, it's really good at evoking certain feelings. So, um, and we're, we are dealing with Christmas time. So, you know, solstice, so it's appropriate. It's, uh, Reese when he is, uh, with Farah after leaving the spring court. And then when he goes to, to Nev's. Uh, trying to figure out what he wants to get Farah for solstice. Song five is "Deck the Halls" by Nat King Cole, and I think it's appropriate because they're going to decorate. Um, and I mean, why not? And it's Nat King Cole, and can you get a better piece of holiday music than Nat King sure. Cole? And I, I don't think so. He's one of my favorites. Uh, song six is "Red Red Wine" by UB40, and um. It's kind of the obvious here that, you know, Cassian and Farah get drunk on Reese's wine, um, which is kind of funny, truthfully. Uh, (laughs) Song seven is uh, The Sussex Mummer's Carol by Lorinda Jones. It's uh, the sound, the music that I would, I I imagine kind of going on at the dinner that night at, at the townhouse and Elaine's asking Oliver awkward questions, and Amarin's in a mood and kind of being snitty. And song nine, which is the last song, is Wasail Wasail, again by Manaheim Steamroller. And again, I'm going for the the feel of the music, not necessarily what the song in and of itself means. Like She's not- for
1: the vibes. <laughs>
0: I'm going for the vibe here, people. I'm not going for the we're going to go get some wassail and drink and be merry, even though I guess technically they are. But that isn't what I'm really looking for here. So those are the nine songs I have for this episode.
1: I love it. Okay, and if you want to give us any of your songs or any of your thoughts or tell us about how you don't care about Akafast, I feel like that is most people's thought process, despite the fact that you and I, for the most part, actually really enjoy Akafast, but anyway, that's fine. Uh, if you want to tell us all those thoughts and opinions, you are more than welcome to do so on all of our social medias that have two A's, but like Sarah J. Mass's name, which is website at massivefansbookclub.com, Facebook at Massive Fans Book Club and podcast, Twitter at massivepodcast, Instagram at massivefanspodcast, Pinterest at massivefans, and TikTok at massivefanpodcast. All the things. All the yes,
0: things. All of them.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, you'll get another episode, like, mm, I don't know, in a minute. Uh,
0: <laughs> before the end of the July, anyway. <laughs> so, really quick, I just want to explain that we're having some technical issues on, on our recording, and I, I think I figured out what's causing them. <laughs> And let's just say that the easiest way to handle it is for us to record in shorter chunks. Right. Right right Right. now.
1: Yeah. It's okay. We're pretty sure it's sort of user error. Not our user error. (laughs) But a
0: user in the vicinity's error. (laughs) As in a user in my house. But that's a whole different point of contention. So, yeah. (laughs)
1: Anyway, point is, is you'll be getting the rest of Agathas and some other number of chunks in some other number of episodes all in the next, like, eight days. So, let's get to it. (laughs) Okay. Um, But for now,
0: bye!